Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast, where we break down 50 years of film and digital photography with a true Renaissance man. Grab your favorite darkroom snack. It's time to talk photography with your host, Al Talin. Hi, this is Al Talin. Welcome to Retro Photo Film Podcast. It's always great to be here and relate some of the crazy stories that go along with my photographs and some of the wild events that happened while I was taking these photographs. This particular time, I am outside of Atlanta in a little town called Clinton, Georgia. There is a Civil War event going on there, and it's a small one. I was, at the time, staying in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. A friend there said, I'm going down into Georgia by Atlanta, and there is a Civil War event there. Would you like to go? And I said, yes. He had a motorhome, and I thought, oh, well, this is going to be classy. I get to drive in style with the motorhome. <laughs> Little did I know that driving in style was not what it's cracked up to be. I think almost every town we passed, we had to stop in for repairs for his motorhome. At one point, the motorhome broke down out in the middle of nowhere. We had to walk five or ten miles to get to a facility that could get us to a town, and then... <laughs> get us to a garage that could come out and tow the motorhome back and then get it fixed. And so we spent a day just doing that. But it was an adventure. When we got to Clinton, Georgia, my friend said, well, I'm headed off to go do this event, so I'll be back and pick you up. He dropped me and my camera gear off and uh, introduced me to the person who was taking care of the event and said, okay, here he is. He's yours. I'll see you in a few days. Have a good time. Now, let me remind you that I don't know anybody in this town. I don't have any reservations to stay anyplace. I don't even think there was even a, a hotel motel in this little tiny town. I did have a sleeping bag, so I thought, well, okay, I can just throw it under a tree somewhere. It was nice weather. It was great. And so I thought, okay, I'll just do that. But the uh, organizer of the event said, oh, you know what? I have an A-frame tent that you can actually sleep in right here. And he put it out there on this nice patch of grass. There was a barn right there that they're doing all of their work in where they're organizing this whole event. So I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be great. So I put my stuff inside of his tent. As a cordial guest, I asked, is there anything that I can be doing? Because it was two days before the event started. And the guy said to me, sure. He said, we're restoring this little building that used to be a church. So we need help on that. Do you know any carpenter? I said, yeah, I'm very, very good at it. So I spent the next uh, day or so working on this building. As I was introduced to all the different people who were running the event and uh, organizing it and making it all happen, they introduced me to this little guy that was a really squirrely looking little guy. He was cross-eyed and just wiry. They said, well, <laughs> he is our pyromaniac specialist. And I went, What? What is a pyromaniac specialist thing? Yeah, he's the one that sets all the fires, blows everything up, and makes it all look like it's an authentic battle. Well, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Now, my tent, my little A-frame tent was set up on this piece of grass, as I had said, and the barn was right there. Well, this guy's headquarters was in the top of the barn. Now, that night, I went to bed, and I looked up, and there was the wiry guy, the pyromaniac, sitting in the window, a little window. It's on a second story, and it's probably like a hay bale, 
entrance for the barn, sitting there watching me. And so I sat there, and, and he watched and watched and watched, and he was watching and he watched and he watched, and I'm like going, I was a little nervous. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I'd look out from under the tent, and there he was, sitting there watching me. <laughs> so I was really scared, kind of, not really scared, but, you know, it's like a little paranoid because there's a pyromaniac guy sitting up there. I'm a Yankee to him because anybody that lives above the Mason-Dixon line were Yankees, and even though I was from Utah, and I told him, I said, hey, originally I'm from Canada, so, yeah, you're all Southerners to me, So, but, hey, I'm a Southerner by choice, not by birth. On my March 9th Instagram post, I have a picture of a group of Confederate soldiers standing in one line, and it was the 16th Georgia Rifleman. During the course of the event, I got to know these guys pretty well, and uh, we had a lot of good times. By the end of the event, they had liked me, and so I was asked to be an honorary member of this 16th Georgia Company. I thought it was really cool and was, was very honored to uh, be even asked to do that because they're all hardened reenactors, and I'm in my first year of doing Civil War reenacting, and I, you know, I had a pretty good uh, uniform, looked pretty cool. But anyway, so... One of the guys afterwards was saying, this is really cool that you have become part of our group. And he says, so where did you do your time? And I went, uh, what time? And he says, yeah. He says, where did you do your time? We've all done time. Everybody in the whole company has done time somewhere. We're all ex-cons. You have to be an ex-con to be in this group. And I looked at him and I said, oh, Utah State Prison. <laughs> I didn't laugh then, but I was like, I didn't know what to say. I mean, I'm talking to this guy that's kind of like a hardened-looking, tough guy. I'm going, and I'm going to tell him I haven't been in prison, and he's going to go, okay. So I just said, Utah State Prison. And that was it. We bumped fists, and so now I am belong to a group of uh, riflemen who are all ex-cons. Nice guys. I have to admit that. That night there was a very special tradition that was happening and I was fortunate to be part of it and it was really kind of a very, very beautiful thing. It took place in a very small cemetery in Clinton and there was probably 30, 40 soldiers there with their wives and they're all decked out and dressed up. It was getting dark and I'm going, what are we going to be able to be doing here in the dark? Well, what happened is that each one of these soldiers who was there represented one of the fallen soldiers from the Civil War. And so they each went and had they had a candle with a lantern, and they would stand by a grave of a fallen soldier and wait there. As it got darker and darker, you just saw this whole little cemetery light up. It was beautiful. I'm going, how do I photograph all of this and make this, this sacredness really come across in a photograph. Well, it couldn't really much because it was just little dots of light and throughout the whole cemetery. The commander of the group was standing at probably the entrance of the cemetery and with a very loud voice would call out the name of a fallen soldier. And as he called out that name, the soldier who was standing by that grave would then blow out his candle. And then he would call the next name and that person would blow out their candle. And they did this one by one. And so a 
cemetery that was lit up by candlelight slowly went back into the darkness because of each candle being blown out for that fallen soldier. This was such a moving and sacred event. I absolutely loved it. It was incredible. And I thought, wow, how cool would this be to have a photograph of one of these widows kneeling at the gravesite, which a lot of these gravesites had very large monuments, to be there kneeling and be able to have a communication with her fallen soldier. In my nighttime classes at the university, I used to teach this night photography session where you could put your camera on a tripod and you used a flash to be the illumination. Then what you did was whatever it was at the background that you were doing, like the gravestone, grave monument behind would be the backdrop. So I would take the flash and flash the stone so that we could see it and make sure it was there. Then what I did was open up the lens to its widest capacity and then put the shutter on bulb and that meant that your lens is now open so whatever light comes in there is going to be recorded on the film. Well, this is what we did and you flashed that stone two or three times so that it was embedded in the film. And then you put a person in front of that stone and flashed them. And then you moved them to the right and you flashed them. And then you moved them to the left and you flashed them. And then you shut your shutter off. You now have this photograph where a person standing in front of this gravestone, the gravestone is seen through the person's body. So the body becomes transparent, which is really kind of cool. Well, that's kind of like what describing it. But I decided that this is what I wanted to do in this cemetery. We found a tall monument that would work really beautiful, set up my tripod, flashed that monument several times with the flash. Then I had the widow kneel down, and then I flashed her a couple of times with the flash and the monument. Then I took the guy and I stood him in front of the monument and then flashed him a couple times. Well, the result of this is what you're seeing in the photograph that I posted on March 12th. It is the black and white photograph of the widow kneeling in front of the stone monument and her departed soldier husband standing there reaching out to her hand, and their hands are touching. You can see the gravestone through his body. He is a ghost standing there, communicating by hand with his sweetheart. Fun shot, absolutely. You know, it, it, I did this probably eight or nine times. The reason for doing that is because you might get it all correct the first or second time or third, but who knows? So you do it a bunch of times so that you've got one that looks great. And as I looked at my proof sheet, yes, I some are a little bit light, some are a little bit dark, but I found one that was really, really nice. And that's the one that you're looking at today in seeing this photograph of the widow and her fallen soldier. A lot of people have seen that photograph and really believe that it is a true 
photograph of a spirit from the other side. I know that it wasn't because it took me several hours shooting it over and over again, doing all of this, and the poor widow kneeling down for such a long time, and the guy stepping in, stepping out, all of that, I know that it wasn't. But anyway, the great part about it is this was done on film, and it was done on one piece of film. A lot of times, people would take two or three pieces of film, sandwich them together, and make the image. And then the computer, wow, we can do all of that kind of stuff in the computer nowadays and make everything look just totally perfect. But none of this has been computerized in any way by the computer. That's the art of photography. This is a piece of film that was shot 25 years ago, processed properly, stored properly, and I can take that negative and print that today and make just as beautiful of a photograph that I did 25 years ago. And I just have to put it in the enlarger, make the print. I don't have to do any hocus pocus, anything else except print it. Again, that's the art of photography. Using film is a wonderful, wonderful medium. I love film, especially in black and white. There is nothing like having black and white film and the tonal ranges that come from the black and white film and the black and white print produced and printed in the darkroom is one of the most magnificent pieces of art form that I think is out there. Painters and artists who draw and do that have great skills, but photographers who know how to do this and do it properly have just as great as skills. Okay, I'll jump off my soapbox now that I've plugged in photographers and how great they are at doing what they do when you're really using the art of photography. It's been great talking to you about this story and the recreation of the widow and her fallen soldier. I love this photograph. It's really fun. I enjoy having you listen to my podcast. I hope that you will continue to listen to my future episodes. And, uh, you know, I've got uh, 50 years of film <laughs> It doesn't mean I'm going to give you 500 episodes, but I've got 50 years of film under my belt that I have a lot of great photographs to talk about and how crazy they were while I was taking them. Tune in again. Thank you very much. You have been listening to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Follow Al on Instagram at Retro Photo Film to see all his latest photos and learn more about the stories behind the photos.